Well, since I've been here last, Southland Baptist Church has been busy. I'll say that again. I know some of you are all visiting tonight, but this church has been busy. I know you had your anniversary, and I heard it went extremely well. Is that true? Talk to me a little bit. Don't you know the more you talk to me, the sooner we're done? All right. And then uh, you had the True North Fellowship and so many different things going on, and uh, I'm just excited to hear some of the good reports that God's done with you all. Uh, uh, I think my, my wife got a bigger amen than I get now. I know you don't know her yet. You're getting to know her a little bit, and I've talked to her a little bit about her through the years, uh, and uh, some people really wondered if I really was married. I am married. And uh, we do have all those children. They're not just props and everything. Uh, but I'm glad that she was able to uh, come along also and be a part of this meeting and be a part of this uh, uh, three or four days. I remember, is this the meeting that you used to have uh, uh, when you combined we went over to another venue? Good. I think, I think I, uh, hey, as you get a little older and you preach a few places, you knew you were there. But you don't quite remember it. This is a true story. My wife's sitting here. I know we've been married a long time. We have children. There are pictures on the walls. And I'm in each one of the pictures. But I don't remember the details like she remembers the details. And so uh, if, if, if there's a question asked about our family history or, or something in dealing with our children, if Patty's there, I just kind of look to her and she gives the answer right away. But I know I was there. I'm in the pictures. Amen. I remember all that. It's just, uh, it becomes a little blurry as you get a little farther into it. Look at Colossians chapter 3 tonight. Colossians chapter 3. We won't hold you a whole long time tonight. Just enough for a thought. Colossians chapter 3. And I want to be very careful how I present this tonight. Uh, I'm going to combine a couple scriptures with you, and I know when I give you one of them, you're going you're gonna to think, boy, I don't know if that quite applies, but stay with me. Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to see one verse. Look at verse 14. Verse number 14. Again, thanks for allowing me to come back again. Verse number 14, it says, Above all these things, they've been talking, God's been talking about what to put on. In verse number 10, he talks about putting on the new man. Verse number 12, he says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, and begin to talk about mercies and kindness and, and humbleness of mind. All these things we're supposed to put on. But he says now in verse number 14, above all these, above all these things that I've been telling you to put on, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now normally we would speak about in verse number 14, we would speak heavily on charity. And I want you to know that uh, God gives a whole chapter on charity. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to explain what it is. But tonight I'd like to point out one word, if you would. And the word is in verse number 14, above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I'd like to talk to you just a little bit tonight and speak to you a little bit tonight about the concept of when God bonds something together. When God, uh, if you would, places two things together, a bond, is, uh, a bond is that which holds two entities or two things together. Or if you would say this, a bond holds people together. And when God bonds people together, uh, we, meet, we need to be careful not to mess with those bonds. Meaning what he joins together, and look at it if you would just for a moment, the concept of bond. Look at, uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter number 19. Please turn there and look at it if you would. And I know when you think about this, you, 
you're going to think about immediately one subject. Look what he says in verse number 6, Matthew 19, verse 6. Wherefore, uh, they are no more twain, but one flesh. Then he says this, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Uh, I don't know about you preachers, but there is not a wedding that goes by that I uh, officiate the ceremony where that statement is, is always mentioned in a wedding that I do. Where, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder, we automatically think marriage. And there's, that's uh, the whole concept here that he's talking about is my, Matthew 19 is marriage. But look what it says again, what God, there, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. The, 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 the concept is marriage, the context is marriage. But I want to make this statement to you. Um, would you agree that God bonds a church together? Well, if it's God that bonds it together, if it's God that joins it together, if God holds the church together, which which any pastor knows, no pastor holds a church together. It's built, the church is built by Jesus Christ, and it's the Lord that holds the church together. Now, I believe he does it using charity. And charity and all the aspects of charity is what helps hold the church together, but may I say what therefore God has joined together. I know marriage, yeah, but whatever God bonds together, man's not supposed to mess with it. Man's not, man's not supposed to try to divide it. And, and, and one of the things after, okay, so uh, my wife and I, we actually met in the church that we've been in all of our, uh, if you would, uh, saved lives. Uh, Patty got saved in our church. I'll say that again. You're supposed to say amen. Patty got saved in our church. She did. And... Uh, then I was saved one year, and we met at our church. Uh, I was a missionary heading for Samoa. We didn't know it was Samoa at the time. We were just, myself and another man was sailing a sailboat somewhere in the Pacific. We ended up in Samoa, but uh, while we were in San Diego working on the boat, uh, we decided uh, we needed fellowship at a church, and we ended up going to the lighthouse and... Uh, when I walked in on that Sunday night, uh, I didn't know that my future wife was singing in the choir. A church is a good place to meet your future spouse. Uh, but, but we didn't know that at the time. Uh, we, we didn't know, and I'm sure she noticed when I walked in. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good time to laugh right there. And she would have her own version of the story. There's always two sides of the story. Uh, but uh, what I'm trying to present to you is that uh, my wife and I met in church and uh, we actually married in our church and uh, we were serving in our church uh, after the mission field. We were serving in our church uh, taking care of military men and women. Uh, we had a military ministry and uh, we had a, well, there's uh, eight, eight military bases in our area and so we would go out and pick up men and women uh, to bring them to church. And then after church, we would have a fellowship at our home uh, every Sunday. And uh, what we did was we organized uh, two families uh, every Sunday 
to come in and help us. Two families one Sunday, two families another Sunday, two families another Sunday, and we had a watch billet. And uh, it got to the place where we would have uh, anywhere between 15, 25, uh, I don't think I'm exaggerating, 30 people over to our house, and this would be every Sunday. Uh, and we needed people to help us, but Patty and I were the main ones. I, I did the transportation. Would you agree with this, Patty? Did I do the hospitality? I think I did, didn't I? Most of you would, would know that he did the hospitality, yeah. I was there, I'm in the pictures, amen. I know I, know I did all that, and uh, we would entertain them and have fellowship with them, and we would have different people that would bring in meals. And I, and I think we had a set kind of pattern that we would do these meals, if you would. And uh, so that was Patty and I's first ministry together outside. We were on the mission field. But then when we got back to San Diego, I finished my commitment that I'd made to the man to get the sailboat over there and everything. And when he came back to San Diego, um, this ministry started just getting larger and larger and larger to the place, and this is not an exaggeration, we would have literally a thousand first-time visitors from our military every year. When you think of about a thousand visitors just from the military, first-timers uh, every year, that's quite a few every week. There would be times where we would have, uh, literally, we would have 45 or 50 people over at our house uh, and that's not an exaggeration, because I remember when we started to feed them, the line would go out the door, out our front, and curve around on the street, and slowly we'd get them through and, and feed everybody. And then, and then on Sunday afternoon, we'd say, all right, uh, we have Sunday night services. You're welcome to stay here at our home for, for all afternoon and fellowship, and there were games and stuff. But if you need to go back, I'll take you back. But if you can stay, then... Uh, then we'll take you back after the evening services. And so I'd take a run back after the evening services. Uh, do I have all this right, Patty? Good, I'm checking with you because I don't want her to tell me later, you said that all wrong, Doug. Uh, then it got to the place where, uh, uh, I don't know, just in progression and, 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 I don't know, in a passionate way, we, uh, we took our garage at that house and we started putting bunk beds in there. And uh, at, one, at, when it, at, at its peak, I think we had like 15 bunk beds in there. And what they were allowed to do, the military personnel, we'd go and pick them up on Friday. So they were allowed to come and stay at our house free for the weekend. And we'd pick them up on Friday. One of the requirements, though, is on Saturday, between about uh, eight, 8 in the morning, 9 in the morning, until noon or 1 o'clock, they had to do something at our church. What do you mean something? They had to either work a bus route, do maintenance around our church, whatever our pastor wanted. And I wasn't the pastor at the time. They were required to, to do some work at the church. Many of them worked bus routes and went out visiting, if you would, and, and got involved in all that. Then we'd try to have something for them on Saturday night, and then they'd do the morning Sunday school and maybe work a bus route and uh, stay with us in the afternoon. And if they wanted to stay for the evening services, they could. And then we had a couple of them that when they took leave, they would come to our house. Come on, is that right, Patty? They, they, they kind of moved in. But what was going on, please listen, 
was bonding. They didn't always respect our house all the time. Uh, they did things that, that young single guys do when they're 18, 19, and dumb. You still with me or not? I mean, one night I remember, uh, or maybe it was in the morning, Patty went down, and, and one of them had gone fishing, and he left the fish in the sink. Do you remember that, Patty? And, and uh, it was almost like he expected us to, Patty to clean the fish and cook it the next day and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we, have, we have certain memories. I know I was there, but I don't remember that part. I mean, I'm, there was bonding going on, and we became a family. Now, uh, some of them now are missionaries. Some of them are pastors now. But there was a bonding that went on, and we opened our home, and we, we called the, it was a, a military-style uh, ministry, and there was a whole lot of bonding going on. But please listen, uh, our family, our young children kind of grew up around these guys also. Most of them were guys. Sometimes we'd get gals in, uh, military gals, but a lot of them were the, were the guys. And they would, they would hang out, if you would, and... And I praise the Lord that I had a wife that tolerated that. You can say amen right there. I mean, I had a passion for it, but you see, uh, my, my wife Patty was also in the Navy. She was an operating room technician in the Navy. And so when God brought Patty and I together, where we met at our church and we married at our church, we, we started this ministry, if you would, and it went on for two or three, four years. And and then I became pastor of the same church where we met, and uh, we've been there now since 1980, and uh, there's been a whole lot of bonding through the years. And these friendships go a long way. And these friendships of these men that we served, if you would, uh, some of them uh, became involved in our church when I became pastor, and that ministry was carried on by someone else. The idea is this, brother. What God joins together, men, mankind is not supposed to mess with that. And I understand, please listen, don't, don't take this wrong. I understand marriage has vows to it and promises to it. But if it's God's will that a man and a woman come together to be married, uh, would you agree with this? Uh, David and Jonathan had a friendship that was a covenant before the Lord. Would you agree with that statement? I'll say it again, David and Jonathan, they weren't married, married, but they had a covenant before the Lord. They swore one to another before the Lord and made a covenant with each other that they would defend each other and protect each other. And God, God joined the, that friendship together. And they even made their friendship to where if one of them died, the other one would take care of the, of the children. Would you agree with that statement? And the idea was it was something that God brought together with David and Jonathan. It wasn't a, a marriage per se, but it was something that God ordained and bound that friendship together. And even after Jonathan had died, David said, is there any yet left that I might show kindness to? And that's when David found Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth became like his own. The idea I want to get to you tonight is uh, bonding 
certainly is in marriage, but bonding is also God-ordained friendships. Would you agree this, that God uh, uh, holds a church together with relationships by the Holy Ghost of God, and uh, we, ought to, we ought to not mess with the bonding that goes on in a church. Would you say amen to that? I mean, I, I, I would never want to do anything that would, that would uh, uh, disassociate someone with the church. That's why we're supposed to be extremely careful about any type of discord. The sowing of discord is something God hates. Would you agree with that? So the idea in this concept of, of bonds and bonding, uh, as a pastor, I've watched through the years, uh, and pastoring the same church now for a little while, that um, it's, it, it's God that knits hearts together. And I understand when we think about bonding, we, we strongly believe with that, that vow of marriage, but I, but I want to say something to you. Uh, joining a church... Becoming part of a church is not something we should take lightly. And uh, I praise the Lord now, Pastor mentioned, I think it's been 17 years or so that I've had the opportunity to uh, come and be a part of uh, the church here, not every year maybe, but most of the years. And uh, I've watched this church mature. And those that are visiting tonight, please don't uh, take away from the fact that you're here, but... Uh, I've watched Southland bond. Um, I was so glad to hear you had a big day. I was so glad to hear about the anniversary service. When I was here uh, before the anniversary service, I remember it was shown and you were planning everything and, and you went off site and uh, sounds like a lot of people came. What would you have, uh, 400, 300? About 400 people? They would never fit would 400 people fit in here? And you all had a commercial kitchen to operate out of? EJ, you were, did you, did you enjoy all that? Did you, did you do anything, EJ? <laughs> were you in the pictures? I know you did, you were involved in your wife. But, but it's so good, if you would, to hear about how the Lord use that to bring out visitors, but would you agree with this? Those type of things bond us together. We get to see the Lord working. Uh, a pastor just told me, I didn't know that, when you had the True North Fellowship, uh, you all went over to faith for morning services. Is that right? Do I have that right? And uh, sounds like there was a big crowd there that day. Real big crowd. That helps to bond together. And I'm so glad... Your singles are, are getting that strong tie and relationship to the church. What God puts together, let not man put asunder. You say, no, that's in marriage. It's in friendships. Anything that God joins together and bonds in together, uh, man should not try to put that asunder. Would you agree with that statement? And I'm carrying that over to say, I understand we only think about that normally with marriage, but, but I, think, uh, I think we ought to be careful what we 
do with the bonding that goes on with families to families to, to friendships. And uh, may I say, in, in our local churches too, if we would see it the way God sees it, we would see that when God sets someone in the body, just because somebody else feels like they're supposed to leave the body and it's God's will for them to leave the body, they shouldn't be trying to influence others to leave. Is it okay to say that? Because, uh, may I say now, I don't, this is not the Sunday morning crowd, obviously. This is the midweek crowd. Um, but I've watched through the years at our church, uh, somebody feels like they're supposed to leave, and they kind of expect all their friends to think about leaving too. And that's not the way it works. Uh, let me say it this way. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. You say, but it's only marriage. Can I extend it a little further to say, if somebody decides it's God's will for them to leave the church, they should not be trying to break the bonds of someone else that's supposed to stay in the church. Come on, is that okay to say that? You see, I don't know everybody here, and, but I doubt if there's many bond breakers on a Wednesday night. What do you mean? I, I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking the disgruntled ones aren't here tonight. Smile. <clears throat> Let me show you an example in the Old Testament as an illustration. Uh, look, if you would, at 1 Samuel 13. Are you getting this thought tonight? And, and, I, and I'm not saying, please, I want to be careful. I don't want you to go out of here. And, uh, you know, right on your internet blog, we had a pastor tonight from San Diego, California, and, uh, you know, he said this and he said that, and uh, he tried to tell us that we were married together even in the church. We're married to Christ as a church body. But God brings the body together. And we need to be careful what we what we do or say about the concept of bonding of him, please listen, joining together, because he doesn't just join marriages together, he joins friendships together. He joins families together. He joins churches together. Uh, I feel, please listen, I feel somewhat bonded in to some of those men that came and stayed in our home and we've stayed friends through the years. Uh, there's a missionary that's uh, doing extremely well. Um, I met him uh, when we were knocking doors down on the military base years ago, and uh, his name is Patrick, and uh, when Patrick came to our church for the first time, he got all excited, and uh, I remember years ago, Patrick said, now, uh, how, how, many, how many can I bring? And I said to Patrick, I said, uh, Pat, as many as you want. And he said, are you sure about that? And I said, sure, I'm sure about that. He said, uh, can you run a bus down to the base? Because I think I can get a lot of people to come. And I said, well, sure, if we can bring a bus on base. Uh, at that time, you still could. We were running a van at that time. But, but I remember him saying, well, if you could bring a bus. And uh, so about two or three weeks later, he said, now bring that bus this coming Sunday, we'll be ready. And I was kind of, sure, yeah, sure, we'll see. 
You know, a lot of people make promises. Come on, is that right? Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I remember pull, we pulled that bus up that morning, and uh, here come Patrick, and he opened the door, and another guy came out, 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 and before it was all over, he had 19 guys on that bus. I didn't know it, but uh, do you all have carnivals and fairs and, and all that? Yeah, over at our, we, they call, we call them barkers, and they're the guys that stand at the booth and try to bring people in to spend their money. Well, he did that for three years. He was a barker at the carnival, at the, at the fairs. And so he knew how to persuade people in. And he said, he said, I just went around and got him committed, and then I went around and woke them all up. Then I went around and got them, hey, come on, we got to get going. And he said, all I did was uh, just pull them in. And by the way, three of those men got saved that morning. My point being is you never know what that Bonnie's going to do. And he stayed with us as long as his schooling was. And then he ended up marrying and going to the mission field. And so he's out on the mission field barking now, bringing people in and seeing people saved. The point of it being is I've stayed friends with him all these years because we met each other at a barracks down in San Diego. But please listen, there was a bonding there. There was something that God did that was kind of special. And when God does something special and joins us together, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a time where uh, uh, Patrick and I, there was an issue going on in the States with some of the independent Baptists, and uh, Patrick asked me about it, and I said, well, listen, however you feel about this and however I feel about this, it's not going to affect our friendship. And sometimes, please listen, the bonding have to go, has to go past issues and divisions between people. And the bonding has to be such that we look at it and say, no, if God's joined us together, we're not going to let the issues of man pull us apart. Look, if you would, at 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13. This is when Saul found out that God was going to give his kingdom to someone else Samuel's the prophet, and Samuel says this in verse number 14. Look at it if you would, 1 Samuel 13, 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue, Samuel speaking to Saul. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Now, at that time, Saul doesn't know who it's going to be. We know it's going to be David, but Saul doesn't know that yet. All he knows is that someone else, a man after God's own heart, is going to become the captain in Saul's place over the people. Look at 1 Samuel 18. You're doing well. 1 Samuel 18. Stay right with me. I'm watching your time tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Everybody still all right? Say amen. Good. 1 Samuel 18. And uh, this is after now David has killed Goliath. Jonathan and David, in verse number 3, chapter 18, verse 3, they make this covenant with each other, and that's a bonding that happens between Jonathan and David, and it's based on love, if you would. But look at verse 7, when they come back. The women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, he was very angry. And the saying displeased him, and he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousand.
thousands. To me, they have ascribed but thousands. And then he says this, Saul says, what can he have more but the kingdom? So Saul begins to understand this is the guy that's going to get the kingdom. Verse number nine, and Saul eyed David from that day forward. Eyed is a word that means suspicion. Uh, I is, Saul didn't give David the benefit of the doubt. Now, now Saul feels threatened, if you would, and, and Saul realizes that, that David's probably going to be the future king. And look at chapter 19. Chapter 19, you're doing well. Chapter 19, look at verse 1. The Bible says, And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. Now, statement. Now Saul knows for sure that David's going to take the kingdom. He knows that this is the one that God has planned. But notice what he tries to do. Immediately, he tries to break the bonds between Jonathan and David. And then Saul goes further, if you would, and rather than Saul realizing, hey, I'm the king now, but the future king that God chooses is going to be David, and I should try to do my best to, to allow this kingdom to embrace David, Saul tries to take the kingdom and separate it from the future king. What do you mean? Say it again. Saul tries to take his people, his kingdom, and separate them from God's future will of David. You say, I don't get it. He tries to break the bonds of the future. Let me, let me say it in a different way. Uh, so uh, so I'm, uh, I'm 65 years old now, just turned 65, and I've been pastoring at our church. My wife and I have been there since 1980. I've been pastoring since 84. Please look up here just for a moment. If I later on have an idea of who the next pastor is going to be, and it's God's will, shouldn't I do my best to encourage the people to bond into him, whoever it might be, and not be jealous of him, and not be suspicious of him, and, and, and not be threatened by him? But, but shouldn't I look at it and say, no, if this is God's choice for the future, I, I want to be one to bond in the people to that future pastor. Now, my wife knows right now, uh, I, I, I've not determined, we've not determined, I've not determined yet how long I'm going to pastor our church, and I don't have anybody in my mind who's the future pastor. But when that comes, which it will come, what I should do is do my best to have the people endorse their future pastor because as far as I'm concerned, that'll be Patty and I's future pastor. Is that okay with what I'm saying? Saul did just the opposite. He tried to make things up about David to cause a division between Saul's kingdom and the future kingdom of David. Please listen. And there was a division between the house of Saul and the house of David for decades and decades to come because of an insecure man who broke the bonds. Let me say this again. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And I know you're thinking marriage, but I'm thinking organizations. I'm thinking church. I'm thinking friendships. 
Here, here Saul is getting in between the friendship of Jonathan and David, who made a covenant with the Lord. Stay with me and look at one more. Look at 1 Samuel 22. Are you getting the part, part of what I'm saying tonight? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel 22. And many of you know this, but look at verse 7. Verse 7. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Will the son of Jesse, David, give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, watch, that all of you have conspired against me. And there is none that showeth me that my son, Jonathan, hath made a league with the son of Jesse, David, and that there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up, my son, Jonathan, hath stirred up thy, my servant, David, against me to lie in wait as of this day. Statement. What he's saying is David is trying to ambush me. Not true. But what he was doing was sowing discord. Please listen, he was sowing discord for the future. And there was going to be a split when David became king. He first of all became king over Judah. And then there was years that went by before he became king over Judah and Israel because of an insecure man that sowed discord and caused the disruption of God's plan in bonding. So here's the practical point. I'm glad you all here at Southland are getting along so well right now. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. I'm glad you at Southland are getting along so well right now. I'm going to say one more time. You're just adding more time to the message. If you don't get involved a little bit, I'm glad you at Southland are getting along so well right now. Thank you. You say, how do you know that? I'm assuming. Why? I'm assuming because you just had a wonderful 25th anniversary off-site with over 400 people. I'm assuming because you just had a tremendous True North Conference associated with Faith Baptist, and I, I, I mean, I, I'm impressed, I really am. I'm impressed that you all went over to Faith Baptist for services that morning. I, I'm impressed by that, because it's a bit of a drive, and uh, uh, you were willing to do that, to join in, to combine churches for that morning, to have an impact on a lot of 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, 24 years old, and they watched you getting along. And they saw bonding. They just didn't hear about it. They visualized it. Did you all get along pretty well with faith? Did you all get along pretty well with faith? The, the, the multiculturalism that happened that morning is, is impressive to me that God for that morning bound you all together and you actually get along. Did you serve alongside of them? Did, did you get involved? Did they do all the nurseries? Did you guys do some of the nursery work? Did you, did you make some of the meals? Did you sing in the choir? Did, how did that all work? I, I didn't ask all the details. Did it work out pretty well? Were you in the pictures? What I'm saying is you were there and you got to see something that I, I don't think would have happened 17 years ago. 
I don't think would have happened 15 years ago. What I'm saying is you've matured into that. Faith has matured into that. I'm not saying that, and don't go out of here and say he was critical of us. You're not listening to the message. I'm not being critical of all. I'm being complimentary. And God's doing that and has done that. And I'm not saying your churches are going to merge. I'm not saying that at all. But to be able to get along and for you to submit and go across town and have a good morning service like that, all the, all the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, how far up should I go? 25? They got to watch that. And that will be indulgable in their memory. Is that okay to say that? I don't know if it was. I don't. I don't know if it was perfect. I don't know if there's anything that, you know, any fights on the parking lot or anything like that. Okay, you're laughing, so I'm taking that there wasn't. But the idea is, for that morning, the Holy Spirit ordained, obeying the Lord Jesus Christ to honor Him. And it was probably a wonderful service that morning that you have some good memories of. And then who knows what the young people younger than 18 saw who knows what the teenagers saw I think it's a wonderful thing when children can see adults getting along now may I make this statement to you I hope nobody came back and vocally criticized that if you did I hope you did it with just went to the pastor alone I hope you didn't Instagram and Blog and whatever, the, what all the stuff? What's it, what's it all now? What's, what's the main one now? Talk to me a little bit. Instagram or uh, what is it? What's up? Is that a question? Is that a media? Is it? Did you know that? No. Hey, what's up, baby? <laughs> the idea is, okay, I hope nobody was critical because what you don't want to do is get involved in God's bonding. There ought to be a fear in us about messing around with God's bonding. Whether it be friendships, uh, I'll make this statement to you. I believe even God bonds business, businesses together. I believe God bonds missions, missionaries to churches. And it's a bond that happens. You still with me? Did I lose you? I, I believe he bonds and, and burdens businesses and businessmen and women to support different missionaries. And there's a bonding that goes on. And it's an ordained of the Lord, what God has joined together. Don't let, don't let men get in there and mess it up. You say, that's paraphrased, okay? Let not man put asunder. Let me, let me paraphrase that. Don't let a man mess it up. And there's a bonding that goes on. Friendships, certainly families and marriages, certainly churches, but beyond that, missions, businesses, to where there's a heart that gets knit and it's a bonding and Satan will do everything he can to mess that bonding up. Why? Well, what happened in the Garden of Eden was Satan tried to put asunder what God had put together. What do you mean? 
the relationship between God and Adam. And he got in there and he messed it up. But God had a bigger plan. He, he, he knew the first Adam would do that, but he knew the last Adam would fix it all. And he's working on fixing it even now. What are you saying? Satan is one that would put asunder God's bonding. He caused angels to leave their first estate. Come on, is that right? He, he broke the bonding, if you would. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to get involved. Cert, certainly there are times where we may have an opinion about something, and there's nothing wrong with stating that quietly to somebody, but it ought to not be done in a way that divides asunder. Well, let me ask you a question. Now that you know that Saul did not endorse David the proper way, let me remind you that Saul's life spiraled downward, away from God, out of control, to where he even consulted with a witch. Th those that got involved in, in destroying or attempted destroying God's bonding, let me show you one more before we leave tonight. We'll be done. Look at, uh, look at 2 Samuel 15. Are you getting the thought tonight? You're going through as a church and, and other churches over here in, in, in Sydney area. You're, you're the pastors that are visiting with us tonight, churches visiting with us tonight. Uh, thank you for coming, and I mean that. There's, there's no reason that we have our own personalities, but we don't have to be divisive with those personalities. We have our own way of doing things as a church, but we don't have to be divisive. Look at 2 Samuel 15. And you know this story, but I just want to bring it out. 2 Samuel 15. Uh, it's about Absalom. And Absalom uh, already had a problem with David because of what happened with his sister Tamar. David didn't do anything purposely, but... Uh, Tamar got abused, and Absalom blamed his father, David. And verse number 1, look at 2 Samuel 15. Absalom prepared him chariots and horses, 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? You ought to underline in that that in your Bible. Of what city art thou? Why do you want to know that? Well, if the man said he was from Judah, Absalom wouldn't do anything. Why? Because remember the division between the house of Saul and the house of David? It was between Israel and Judah. And Absalom was very wise being counseled by Ahithophel. He said, of what city art thou? And he said, he said, thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel, Absalom said unto him. See, thy matters are good and right. But there's no man deputed of the, uh, of the king, deputized, if you would, deputed, authorized of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made a judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. What he's doing is he's create, creating division. Would you agree with that? And it was so that when any man came to him, to nigh to him, to do him obeisance, uh, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. After this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Statement. Absalom got involved in the bonding of God. 
I'll say it again. Absalom was a man that put asunder the bonding of God. I want to say it one more time. Absalom put asunder the bonding of God between David and his kingdom. Well, what happened to Absalom? Remember he got caught up in a tree? Joab went after him. And the one who was telling Absalom everything to do was a man named Ahithophel. And what happened to Ahithophel? Why? Because Ahithophel got involved in putting asunder the bonding of God. I know, I know Ahithophel's granddaughter Bathsheba. I know what David did to Bathsheba, Ahithophel's granddaughter. I, I get all that. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. I'm not discounting that Ahithophel didn't have a, a grudge against David and, and, and did so with, with some reason. But please look up here. You don't put asunder the bonding of God. So let me give you some names. Saul put asunder the bonding of God in the Old Testament with David. Uh, Absalom, Ahithophel, put asunder the bonding of God with David. God's bonding. Uh, Adonijah and Joab tried to put aside, uh, 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 sewn asunder, if you would, uh, the, the, the next king, Solomon. Adonijah tried to take over. Joab, if you would. What happened to them? The idea is, in the Old Testament, there are examples in we ought to take it very seriously not to be involved in putting asunder when God bonds something. I say, well, you say, that's, that's just marriage. Whatever God, by definition bonding, joins together, man shouldn't man should mess with it. I know you could think of many, many more examples, but I'm just saying this. If you're going through a very, very good bonding season right now and the next generation is seeing it and your teenagers are seeing it and they're looking at the adults getting along, it's a pretty good 25th anniversary year. I'll say it again. It's a pretty good 25th anniversary year. If all the Seven-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 28-year-olds are seeing you all getting along and you getting along with other churches. Not to say that there's not problems, but let them, let them see the bonding on a practical basis. Bonding takes work. Please look up here. Bonding takes charity. Charity comes from God. It's God that puts together. It's so amazing to watch missionary teams being put together. What do you mean missionary teams? Like, like uh, a missionary and, and another missionary coming to join and another missionary coming to join and another missionary coming to join and they all have their work to be done and then all the churches that are supporting and the business people, men and women that get involved and just to watch God do all that, and what you don't want to have, please look up here, is anybody putting that asunder? Sowing discord. Making up rumors. Saying negative things that, that, 
don't matter. Straining at gnats when the big picture is more important. It's not just in church, it's not just in marriage, it's not just in family, but missions and businesses and to watch God bond that together. Brethren, it's supernatural. And what we don't want to do is be involved in any type of putting asunder. I think y'all are doing great. Have I communicated that? Don't go, don't go right on your blog on your what's up. Is that for real, brother? Are you pulling my leg? Okay, just want to make sure. Because if it's not true, I'm going to what up you. I know you, you're the guy that wears the hat. Come on, is that right? You got it right there? I got mine too for afterwards. We stood up here and hugged one day, so don't what up me in the wrong way, amen? Come on, is that right? We ought to take what God puts together very seriously. And I know it's Bible conference, and I thought, Lord, this message isn't much. They're not going to be impressed. And the Lord said, just do what I'm telling you. Don't worry about whether they're impressed or not. They'll be impressed with your wife, not with you. We now have uh, our eight, eight adult children, and Patty, what, 13 is it now is the count for grandchildren? Okay, 13 grandchildren. I, I told you I checked with her all the time. Never know, we might have had another one I didn't know about, amen? But I'm in the picture, so everything's good. But we want them, and, and our, our, our oldest grandchild now just graduated high school in our church, and we want her to see not just concept. We want her to see practical. We want all our grandchildren to see practical, not just talked about, but practical. Now, I got to tell you, after they get a certain age, they know what's going on. They hear. But if they can see people overcoming divisions and see God's bonding, it'll keep them in church when they get married, when they have children. We want them to believe in God, but we want them to believe in church also. And what you've been doing on your 25th anniversary, I just want to reinforce and tell you that I think it's uh, great to see that kind of camaraderie, that kind of unity, that kind of bonding going on, for them to observe and watch. I'll just say this last thing. What God joins together, let not man put what? I'm going to give you homework. Look up what asunder means. A-S-U-N-D-E-R. Look, just look up what it means. And then think about the Old Testament examples who put asunder and see what ended up with their, see how their lives ended up. And you'll see a pattern. And it ought to be with us, whatever you do, don't mess with God, whatever he joins together. Whether it be friendships, that's why he doesn't like gossip, Backbiting, come on, is that right? Whispers, usually, usually the backbiting and whispers are negative. That's not a positive thing when he says backbiting and whispers. 
It's usually a negative thing. Why? Because it can separate people. And what God wants is people to bond together in the unity of the Spirit. And he did say this, the bond of perfectness is charity. Charity. And what does charity do? It suffers long. It's kind. It forbears. Come on, is that right? It forgives. Hey, if I come to the altar and get ready to present something to the Lord or ask God about something, and while I'm at the altar, I think, you know, me and this guy, this other brother, we've got something odd against each other. You know what it tells me to do? Leave the altar, go reconcile with that brother. Bond. Then come back and God will receive it. When I stand praying, I'm supposed to forgive others as God has forgiven me. What's that? Bonding. There's so many principles that God has to keep our bonding together. I think you guys are doing a great job. I don't know what's next. You have, you're a busy church. That keeps you out of trouble. <coughs> I know you have a family conference coming up later. And oh, by the way, we do have church tomorrow night. I believe we have church Friday night. We having church Saturday night? No, a little bit of church, different. Then we're having church Sunday morning. So this meeting, um, let's bond together a little bit more. Thanks, pastors, for you coming. Uh, you say, but you kept mentioning Southland, Southland, the church, Southland, Southland, the church. Well, that's where we're at. Come on. And I'm just glad to see God doing such a wonderful work. I don't ascribe that to man. I ascribe it to God. And I know you as a church humbly do that also. The message tonight is about bonding and not putting, what's the word? What's that word you're going to look up? Asunder. And brother, when you look it up, put that on what's up. I'm glad you brought that up. Is it doctor? I'm glad you brought that up, doctor. Asunder. Let's stay away from doing anything that divides. Pastor, would you come and give the altar call tonight? Whether you come to the altar or not tonight, we're not trying to get someone down here just to get them down here. But if you feel like there's unity in your church, I want to tell you this, you ought to thank God for it. If there's unity between families, you ought to thank God for it. If there's unity between the men and the women, you ought to thank God for it. If the teenagers are getting along, you ought to thank God for that bonding. You ought, to, you ought to return thanks. And I know you do as a church. I'm positive you do as a church. But you're having an exceptional year on your 25th anniversary. We need to thank the Lord for that. Pastor, you come. Thanks, preacher. Let's have uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. And, uh, if I could have the pianist come, why don't we just take some time this, this evening and uh, why don't we just um, allow the Spirit of God to, to work through our hearts and, and identify <clears throat> where it is where we're at. Um, we can really just uh, talk on so many levels about our bonding, you know, our, as 
as a couple, maybe you're here tonight and you're a married couple and there's been some things that you, perhaps you've allowed into your life that's causing that division. And maybe tonight would be just a time that you could just pray together and, and um, allow the Spirit of God to start that work. Maybe you're here and maybe it's in the sense of the local church and and maybe not even every, anyone knows, but there's a hurt there. Well, whatever it is, um, why don't we just allow the Spirit of God to work tonight and, and maybe just like preacher said tonight, maybe it's just some, some time of thanksgiving and you see just how, how unity has, has allowed some things in your life that has borne fruit and it's just time tonight to just give thanks and it's never, it, it's never a wasted time to give thanks to the Lord. And so as the piano plays, uh, I'm going to ask you um, to just pray and, and the altar's open tonight. Um, and why don't we just allow the Spirit of God to work and, and let's just be real before the Lord. You know, God places a premium on sincerity. And why don't we just take some time and, and the piano is playing. Uh, perhaps you need to come to the altar and you need to take a, a bold stand and just say, Lord, um, I just need you. I need you to work through this and I need you to work through that situation. And why don't you just do some business with the Lord? As the piano plays, um, church, I want to encourage you to take some time tonight and allow the Spirit of God to work.